Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Transfer Portal. Podcast presented by No Context College Football here. I am sitting along with the likes of Dylan and Andrew. Good evening, guys. How's it going today? Doing good, Doug. Thank you. Uh, thank you for hosting. Thank you for joining us. It is currently 1030 at night, and I admire all of you guys for staying up, and I know it's damn near midnight for you. It's only 8.30 for me. So, you know, I'm still I'm still chipper at this hour. So I'm, I'm still excited. It's uh, only a couple of days away from football now. Yeah, I hate the both of you, the fact that it's still pretty early on your side. But that like you said, me. that's true. I got to get up at 5 in the morning, man. <laughs> and, I, and I still got to edit this. All right. All you people that are listening to this, I want you guys to send me your thanks because I am not going to go to bed until like 1230 and you guys are going to be listening to this. Okay. So you're welcome. That's true. That's true. Got to thank Andrew for being our main editor for the podcast. He is a very valuable member. Every member is a very valuable member. And like Dylan said, we are mainly here to talk about week zero. Uh, we're also going to talk about Mount Rushmore of the worst college mascots, but we'll get into that later. So week zero starts on Saturday. We have five matchups here that we're going to cover. And to begin, we're going to talk about Nebraska and Illinois. So it's a divisional matchup between two teams that pretty much struggled last year. Um, Nebraska is reeling ever since Frank Solich left, even before that with Tom Osborne. And we have an Illinois team with a first-year coach, Brett Bielema, and teams are looking for momentum. And starting off with Dylan, can you give us your thoughts on this game? Who would win? How can it affect each program? How the result could affect each program? Key matchups, rising stars, just overall viewpoints on this game. Yeah, like you said, I mean, both these programs are kind of pitted at the bottom of the Big Ten West. I think Nebraska is expected to finish fifth and Illinois is expected to finish last. Um, But the differences between some of those teams and these teams is that both Nebraska and Illinois kind of have some experience a little bit, Um, not as much production, you know, not guys that are probably going to make all Big Ten as much, but they do have some returning production and some experience. Um, so Nebraska, you know, they had a couple interesting wins last year, beat Penn state, Purdue and Rutgers. Um, they did lose to Illinois last year by 18 points. Um, but Nebraska, you know, the one, I think the biggest thing for them is their run game. They had one of the best run games in the big 10 last year, but you know, they lost three of their top four leading rushers. Wando Robinson went off to Kentucky. So, um, Adrian Martinez was their leading rusher. We'll have to see if, you know, that kind of stays in their offensive game with Matt Lubick. Uh, Colin plays. So um, on defense, they return eight starters. So I think that their defense will take a step forward. Um, And for Illinois, you know, um, a really tough year for them as well. They had three different starting quarterbacks, um, you know, fired Lovey Smith, whole new coordinators. Um, There's going to be an emphasis on getting after the quarterback on defense. I think the talent on defense, you know, they do have quite a bit of strength up front and some linebackers. Um, Jake Hansen is a linebacker. He leads everybody in college football with 10 career force fumbles. Um, So he's definitely going to be a player to watch. Um, Nebraska has, you know, kind of a struggling offensive line. So I kind of expect Adrian Martinez to be um, in some trouble early on. 
Um, but honestly, I think Nebraska has enough talent to win this game. I don't really expect Illinois to do a whole lot on offense. So I think if I had to pick this game, I'd say it would be a pretty low scoring affair, maybe in the 20s. Uh, I'd go with Nebraska, I would say 27-20. Um, if Illinois can take care of the ball, I feel like, um, you know, in Nebraska as well, if they can take care of the ball, because that was a huge problem for both teams last year. Um, I think, you know, it's kind of a anybody's guess at who can win this game, but I do think Nebraska has the edge on talent and, um, you know, returning experience. Perfect, Dylan. Dylan's going with Nebraska. Andrew, how about you? What are your thoughts on this game, and what are your thoughts on potential trajectories of both these programs or add any additional thoughts that you may have? Uh, I think this game is going to be so terrible that it's actually going to be fun to watch. I mean, I think that's really it, to be honest with you. I mean, look, Nebraska is only going to be returning three starters from last year. Not a good sign. They The, only, the most – returning experience that they have is on the offensive line and they're only returning two guys from the starting offensive line. What I will give Nebraska credit for is they did have, as Dylan said, the second best rushing offense in the big 10 last year, which is kind of, you know, kind of crazy to think when you consider the fact that, you know, Scott Frost is on such a hot seat right now, but then again, is it really a good sign when Adrian Martinez was your leading rusher last year? Not really, you know, but in terms of how I expect this game to go, Look, Illinois had the worst rush had the worst rush defense, excuse me, from in the Big Ten last year. I think that's where Nebraska is going to win this game. Although, like I said, this game is going to be so terrible that it actually might be fun to watch. I'm expecting Adrian Martinez to be running for his life. I think Nebraska wins, and I think it's going to be even low, lower score than what Dylan said. I think it's I think you're going to be looking at a freaking. Truthfully, probably like a 17 to 10, maybe a 17 to 7, 14 to 3. I'm, I'm expecting your prototypical Big Ten noon game special. And that's and that's literally what we got here. And you know what? I am I in terms of how uh, the rest of the season is gonna go, Bert Bielema as Illinois unveiled him in the in the announcement. Uh yeah, I, I think he's done. He's finished. Okay. I don't know. The only reason why Illinois hired him was just to be in spite of Wisconsin. I'm convinced of it. And Scott Frost, even with all these potential infringements that they have found over the last couple weeks. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think Nebraska is going to just barely win it. I think, I think they'll cover the seven point spread. They'll probably win by like 10. Uh, it's just not going to be a fun game to watch, but in all fairness, it's probably the best game that's going to be on this weekend. That's a good pick. Good pick, Andrew. Uh, I do agree that this should be a pretty low-scoring game. Um, the one stat in particular you mentioned is that Illinois had one of Illinois had one of the worst run defenses ever. Um, the fact that Illinois gave up about 230 yards a game on the ground, and Nebraska should take advantage of that with Martinez. At the same time, Nebraska's backfield is pretty inexperienced. Like they have a USC transfer. Um, Marquis step and then they have Irvin who's another back that they have but again it's a pretty inexperienced backfield and Martinez is great I don't think he can do it all I do think that Nebraska has the better set of talent I do think that they should be 
they should win this game. Common sense should prevail, but we've seen we've seen Nebraska. Common sense hasn't prevailed in Lincoln since two thousand and one at the latest. So I'm going Illinois here. I do think that Brandon Peters should bounce back, even though Illinois does lack the playmakers on the receiving and tight end side compared to what they should have had or what they've had in the past. I do think that uh, Bielma is a much better coach than Frost, but I do agree with Andrew in the sense that he's finished. And if Illinois does beat Nebraska week zero, uh, Frost doesn't make it to week one. That's my bold prediction right there because you cannot lose to Illinois two years in a row. Two years in a row, that's just not acceptable. Even at a program that's had fallen standards like Nebraska, it's unacceptable. For Illinois, if they win or lose, uh, nothing really changes. Like I said earlier, Nebraska isn't a name anymore. So I I wouldn't even say it's a statement win. The statement win for Illinois would probably be Virginia if they beat Virginia. That's how bad Nebraska's fallen to fall behind a basketball school on their schedule as a statement win. But um, if Illinois loses, like I said, it's game one, year one, new coach. It's not going to matter. The team's projected to finish dead last or second to last above Purdue. So nothing will change the loss, both the win, the trajectory would change for both programs. So now that that game is covered, we're going to move on to our next game. We have UConn versus Fresno State. UConn hasn't played football since 2019, opting to sit out of 2020 season due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And Fresno State is having is being led by a second-year coach, and they are a very talented team. Um, so starting off with Andrew, since I started off with Dylan last time, what are your thoughts on who would win between UConn and Fresno State? And add any additional ancillary thoughts. Uh, Fresno State is currently favored by 27 and a half. And that might not even be enough. <laughs> Look, I looked into UConn squad, and it, I know I hear the names freshman and sophomore all over the place. I don't even really see seniors as much on there. So it's going to be a really young team. These dudes have not played football since we were allowed to roam outside without having to wear masks. All right, that's how long it's been. Um, Fresno, they're returning a lot of talent. I believe they're returning 20 starters, something along that line, 19 or 20 starters. They're probably expected to have among the best offenses in the Mountain West. Yeah, I'm going to say Fresno State wins this, and I would not be surprised if this went into the 50s to 10s range. Way to go out on the limb there, Andrew. Um, Dylan, your turn. Uh, Thoughts on this game? Thoughts on... The teams, coaching staffs, et cetera. Elaborate. Yeah. So, I mean, the fact that Randy Edsall is still at, you know, UConn is kind of a, a shocker to me since, you know, obviously he had, he's probably the best coach in the program's history, which isn't saying a whole lot. I mean, he had a really great run there before, but since he's come back, you know, they're six and 30, um, went two and 10 the last time they even saw the field, which was 2019. Um, it's their first year as an independent officially now that they're playing games. So kind of a sort of a new era, uh, maybe that gives them a new identity. 
who knows, but you know, they, this team has no identity pretty much like what Andrew was saying. Um, the only name I recognized on the roster was Kevin Mensa, who has 2,600 career rushing yards. So if anybody's going to do anything for UConn, I expect it to be him because Fresno state really struggled to defend the run. And I expect that to be an issue again this year. Um, but overall, like Andrew was saying, Fresno state's level of talent is just mountains above um, no pun intended mountains above UConn. Um, you know, Fresno State finished three and three last year, but I don't think that really does um, that program justice compared to like what they had to deal with because they had a bunch of games canceled due to COVID. Uh, first year head coach, a lot of new guys on the team. Uh, but Jake Hayner really showed out as a quarterback, led the Mountain West with, I think it was 336 passing yards a game. Um, they had one of the best receiving cores and they're returning all of them. Offensive line has to improve. Jake Hayner hit the deck a lot. So I don't expect UConn to really give him any sort of pressure, but, um, you know, later on they play Oregon and they play teams like Boise state and San Jose state. So I expect Fresno state to improve there. Um, and then the defense, the biggest thing for the defense is their ability to get after the quarterback. They're ranked third in the country in sacks per game with just over four. Um, I think that's, you know, UConn's probably going to get sacked seven, eight times in this game, whoever they decide to start. Um, and then Oregon, you know, I feel like Fresno state's going to kind of pressure Oregon next week as well with that, uh, ability to get after the quarterback. But if any, if Fresno State's going to struggle at all, I expect it to be, like I said, um, on the ground, UConn's run game. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go probably 55 to three. Um, I don't expect UConn to, to get in the end zone at all. I got a trivia question for y'all. So the last time that UConn stood on the field, like Dylan said, they went two and 10. One of those wins was against UMass. Could any of you guys name the other school that? They beat 2019. Um, was it Temple? No. I can't say I'm too educated on UConn football, so I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take it. Right, I'm gonna go. I gotta. Uh, so is it conference, right? Conference or non-conference? Non-conference. Non-conference. Fuck. Um. <laughs> And gonna there's going to be our first official bleep of the episode. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Um, trying That's to think. He is on Apple. I'm going to start and just it say has it. Be. Uh, is it Tulsa? No. Oh. I could, the only, I'm saying no before I even fully hear the answer because I already know it's going to be wrong. Damn. Um, Tulane? It's, one, okay. it's Wagner. Oh, the Seahawks of Wagner. That's crazy. Yeah, definitely wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah, no, no chance. So I was thinking. Of, yeah, so uh, yeah, you want to look at UConn's resume from uh, from the last time they saw the field? Uh, not exactly impressive. Okay, I mean, first above, I mean, you're better off playing actual Huskies than this football team right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, like UConn, UConn smells. They are a generally terrible program. They are. I wouldn't even say they're a good FCS program masquerading as a FBS program. They're basically what Idaho was when they were in the FBS. They are bad. Their facilities are bad. They should it not makes, be. It makes you wonder. It makes you wonder how they made a Fiesta Bowl back in 2010. That's what we like to call the Big East masquerading as a power conference when everybody left. They still had some decent teams, but for some reason, they didn't all put it together. Like, they still had Louisville. They still had West Virginia. Like, those teams ended up getting poached. But 
For some reason, those teams never put it together. But besides the point, UConn's awful. They gave up 41 points per game the last time they did play football. I wouldn't even say play football. Last time they showed up on a field. Because whatever they do, they do not play football. They're just there to run cardio, not try to tackle anybody. They just exist. Um, Ronnie Rivers will probably have 100 yards rushing, 50 yards receiving by the end of the first half. No, first TV timeout. I apologize. Um, yeah, no, you guys just awful. Uh, I can't even say that they win. I can't even imagine if they win. If they do win, Randy will hit. Randy Edsel will probably make like 35K in bonuses alone. If they lose, you probably make 10K in bonuses alone. But UConn's just – it's a disgrace to football. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know why I'm railing on UConn too much, but I just hate Randy Edsel. Um, Fresno State should win pretty easily. They they do have a stud uh, linebacker, Tyson Maeva. Uh, he was a transfer from Boise State. And one of the Florida schools, I believe it's Florida International, Um yeah, but he's a stud. He led Boise. He was second and third in tackles in two of the years. He played heavy minutes at Boise State. He should help shore up defense for Fresno State, and they are a potential contender in the Mountain List. So that's all I have for a game preview. Uh, sorry, I turned into a UConn slander session. But moving forward, we have a really interesting matchup between Hawaii and UCLA. Hawaii's in its second year under Todd Graham. Showed a pretty decent start. Um, it do apologize that they aren't playing their old stadium as it was condemned recently. And then we have UCLA under Chip Kelly, who is pretty much fighting for his job this year. Um, so, Dylan, what are your thoughts on this game? Rising stars, keys, matchups, and any sort of tangent you might go on against players or coaches you might hate on either of these teams. Uh, we'll see if we get that far. Um, but, you know, I actually really enjoy this this matchup. I love watching Hawaii against uh, Pac-12 matchups. If you remember that matchup a couple years ago against Arizona when Kalo Tate was like just short of that touchdown at the end of the game. Um, I really hope that this game's kind of like that because that was a lot of fun to open up that year. Um, I kind of expect UCLA to, you know, handle this one pretty easily. But I do think Hawaii um, is going to be a pretty competitive team this year. They're expected to finish uh, fifth in the Mountain West um, Western Division. Um, they have a new offensive coordinator, which is actually Todd Graham's son. Um, he was the pass game coordinator and the running backs coach last year. Um, I wasn't really expecting their offense to be as good as it was last year because Siobhan Cordero, um, their starting quarterback, um, when he was, I believe, a true freshman, I wasn't really impressed with him um, playing behind Cole McDonald. But last year, I think he had a pretty solid year, 2,000 passing yards, uh, 14 touchdowns, six picks. Um, he had 483 rushing yards as well. Uh, he was the first Hawaii quarterback to lead the team in rushing in 30 years. So pretty impressive uh, year last year. But I think the rising star for them is Calvin Turner. Uh, the guy, when I say he does it all, he really does it all. He played Wildcat quarterback, which is what he did in high school as well. Played running back, slot receiver, was a kick returner. He scored 11 touchdowns and did it three different ways. So uh, the guy's going to be a star. I hope people know his name. Um, on defense, I think they have a really solid secondary. Cortez Davis was a, uh, one of their best players last year. Um, Darius Muasso, I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but 
he was top five in the country in tackles per game. So uh, that guy's attacking machine. But, you know, Hawaii, I think their biggest flaw is that they gave up 200 some odd rushing yards a game. Um, I think they could do a pretty good job against the really solid receivers that UCLA has, like Kyle Phillips and Chase Coda um, and Dulcich at tight end. So um, I think UCLA will probably win by 17 or so. I think UCLA's offense um, is going to be probably not as good as you would expect them to be throughout the season. I think they'll kind of find their way. Um, but overall, UCLA has a ton of returners, 19 to be exact. Uh, DTR, I think this is going to be a breakout year for him. You know, a lot of guys coming back on the offensive line. I think it's the whole offensive line. Um, defense is stacked and really aggressive. Uh, they get after it. Um, so I, I think UCLA probably puts up, I'd say 35. I'd go 35-24. I'd say UCLA wins this one. Thank you, Dylan. Thank you. Still one of the stats I was going to use, but it's all good. Uh, Andrew, it's your turn. Thoughts on this very potent, uh, interesting matchup here. UCLA is currently favored by 17 and a half, and I think they're going to cover that. I think they're going to win this by 21. Uh, Hawaii had one of the worst defenses last year. I think they believe, I believe they were eighth in the Mountain West last year. Uh, and UCLA, for as much slander as we sometimes give them, they had the second-best rushing defense in the Pac-12 last year, and I believe they had the second-best rush offense in the Pac-12 last year, also returning uh, returning as much talent as they are, as you said, 19. Uh, UCLA wins. It's going to be a home game for them. Uh, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, UCLA, they'll win, I'll say, 38-17. to 17. No, thank you for your very succinct uh, game prediction in summer. Um, at least on my end, I do have UCLA winning. Uh, Britton Brown and UCLA uh, backfield should be able to take advantage of Hawaii's awful run defense. Uh, I do think UCLA will out-talent Hawaii. At the same time, though, Hawaii's pass defense should do a decent job against Kafos and Greg uh, Dulcich, like what Dylan said earlier. So it's a pretty interesting matchup in terms of strengths and weaknesses and see how UCLA can exploit that and vice versa. Uh, like Dylan said, uh, Chase Cordero was the leading rusher for Hawaii and historically UCLA's defensive coordinator, Jerry Azizanaro. I believe that's how you pronounce it, or somebody correct me if I'm wrong in the comments in the podcast. Um, he has historically struggled with quarterbacks that can run. So there is a potential for Hawaii to gain some points there. But in the end, I just do think that UCLA will wear them down by the third and fourth quarter. The one issue that UCLA has had in the past is that they cannot finish out games. They'll have big leads or they'll even have leads and they just can't finish out. They'll lose games that they have no business losing. I would be wary of picking UCLA, but I do think that they are going to use this game as a momentum builder for LSU. Because if not, if they lose somehow and they end up 0-2 before they face Fresno State, which is also not a guaranteed win, Chip Kelly's probably not going to go bowling, and that should do it for him. So this game means a lot, and he should win. Hawaii side, it really doesn't mean much if they lose, but if they win, it is a program-building moment for Diagram. 
before he bolts off to another job in the next year. Anyway, something I do want to bring up real quick is that UCLA last year when they went three and four, three of those four losses were one score games. So as you're saying, the question for me with UCLA is not the talent. It relies down to can they just finish out the games? And that's just the main thing. I mean, are we, you know, how long has it been since Josh Rosen made that huge comeback against Texas A&M? Well, lately it feels like that they've been doing the opposite of what happened in that game. So for me, is is Chip Kelly going to keep the troops together enough to finish out the games? If he does, this team could probably be in a really good bowl, you know, at an 8-4 or 9-3 and three at the end of the season. Yeah, and picking back off of that, I think talent-wise, I think this team – compared to who else is in the Pac-12 South, I think they're good enough to actually come out of the South and represent the South in the Pac-12 title game. Um, they were actually my pick to go to the um, to Vegas for the championship game. Um, now, Utah, USC, and Arizona State are, I think, the only other teams that can compete with them. Um, but like you said, UCLA is going to be tested really early. I mean, Hawaii is not necessarily a gimme, but it should be out of the, their first three games, it should be their easiest one. LSU, I'm not super high on LSU. I had them pretty low in my top 25 um, I'm not high on Max Johnson. Uh, the defense was garbage last year, um, but they still have talent. Obviously, they're still LSU, great coaching staff. Um, and then Fresno State, we've already talked about them and how tough of a team they're going to be to beat. So, um, yeah, if if they struggle, if they're one and two, I think, after um, the first three games, then I feel like Chip Kelly's seat's going to get real hot. I expect them to go two and one, probably with the loss to LSU. Um, but with a three and zero start heading into conference play, I feel like UCLA could be back on track. Agreed. Agreed. Moving on, we have the game of UTEP and New Mexico State. I normally would have a smart quib about some of these teams, but I genuinely do not have a smart quib here, as I it's probably the least knowledgeable I have in regards to both these teams. So moving over to Andrew, what are your thoughts on this game? Key players, matchups, the floor is yours. Um, I don't have any. <laughs> uh, in all seriousness, I read a stat today saying that UTEP's going into this game favored by 10, I believe. And this is the fourth largest spread uh, total that UTEP's ever been favored by. Let me see if I said that correct fourth largest spread total that they've ever been favored by yes so this kind of tells you that uh this either tells you that utep is either not ever been really that good to the point where they could be favored by more or that new mexico state is so terrible that they have allowed this to happen and i'm gonna roll off of the the latter uh utep i mean I really don't know even know what to say, to be honest with you, to be honest with you, Tep. I mean, Aaron Jones University, that's what I like to refer to it as. Uh, I mean, they're returning eight stars on offense. They're returning two of their top three uh, receivers from last year. Uh, I actually do believe that that they can spark an offense. As far as New Mexico State goes, I mean, I feel like everybody knows at this point just how not of a good team they are. And it's a disgrace that they'll even call themselves the Aggies because as far as I'm concerned, Texas A&M should be suing them for copyright on the name. They don't even deserve to be on the same playing field. Yeah. Um, I see that you have a lot of passion there, right? <laughs> Andrew. 
And uh, moving forward to Dylan. Dylan, what are your thoughts on this very entertaining matchup here? Yeah, this is definitely – you're going to want to get your popcorn out, folks. You tap in Mexico State. That's the game of the week right there. Um, you know, both these teams, uh, let's face it, nobody – Nobody's going to be sitting down watching this one, I don't think. Um, I don't even think it's on national television, so I'm going to have to find a way to tune in if I, you know, find myself bored enough to watch it. Um, but UTEP, honestly, like they're projected to finish last in the conference USA West. I feel like they're probably better to maybe finish one spot above that. Um, like I said, I don't really know a whole lot of about UTEP. I'm out in the Pacific Northwest, so UTEP's not on my radar nationally. Um, but they were three and five in 2020. They started out three and one and then kind of, you know, blew chunks in the conference USA. Um, and they had a lot of similar to Fresno state that had a lot of COVID problems as well. Um, I think the one thing that UTEP does really well is stopping the run. They were third best in the conference in that regard. Um, their defense has made huge strides and I think that could be kind of their calling card this year. Um, but their secondary, they don't have anybody left on the roster that made an interception last year. So you know, maybe they'll get thrown on a bunch. They're not going to get thrown on a bunch by New Mexico State. Um, but, you know, from some players to watch, Gavin Hardison's a pretty okay quarterback. I think he had five touchdowns, five picks last year. Um, Jacob Cowing was one of those receivers that Andrew was talking about. Um, he leads all conference USA returners with 86 yards a game. So he's kind of a threat, I guess. Um, you know, New Mexico State, I just, you know, they haven't played actual football since 2019, like UConn. Uh, they played a couple games in the spring and got, shit on by Tarleton state 43 to 17. Um, so I don't expect New Mexico state to put up very many points, um, in this one offensively, they have one guy I want to see named Juwan price, um, who balled out in one of those spring games. But other than that, you know, they were one of the worst rushing defenses of all time. The last time they were on the field gave up 259 rushing yards a game. I mean, that's absolutely absurd. We were talking about UConn earlier and New Mexico state was somehow worse. So, um, if I if I had to pick this game, gun to my head, I guess I'd go UTEP by 13. I'm not going to pick a score. I have no idea. I'm just I'm going to say by 13. Let's let's go with that. Just wanted to give a just wanted to answer uh, Dylan's question from earlier. As far as like he doesn't even know what network it's on. Uh, it's on something called FLOF, which I looked into it. It means FlowFootball.com, which is honestly don't laugh when I say this. This looks like a website that streams high school games. Maybe it is. Maybe maybe these programs. Maybe it is. Who knows? It's on the Floff Network. Go check it out, folks. Yeah. What is it? What's the link again? F-L-O-F. F-L, oh, sorry. Flowfootball.com. That's it. So, like, Flo, the girl from the progressive commercials, who is annoying as hell, has been scoring me for 13 years, and then football. So, flowfootball.com. Not sponsored as it does air high school football games right now. They have a high school football game scheduled for 7 p.m. tonight between Lebanon and Miamisburg. Not sponsored by Progressive, yes. Hey, but you you know what? I see a lot of Texas high school games on here. I might have to get in on this. There you go. All right, so back on track to UTEP versus New Mexico State. Um, to be honest, for me, UTEP should win. Um, even though New Mexico State played those two games in the spring, they did not look good. They let up a lot of rushing yards. 
but it's spring ball for a program that originally thought that their season was done. So I'm not going to read anything into it, but even before the season, New Mexico state's not good. They've made one bowl, I believe in like the past, like 500 years. Um, it was a pretty entertaining Arizona bowl. So give credit to Doug Martin for bringing them there. But, uh, in general, UTEP should win. Deion Hankins should run all over New Mexico State. They have a nice Juco recruit in Tyrese Knight, who should be able to help um, slow down ball carriers and play in space as well. Um, as in terms of trajectory for both teams, I genuinely have no idea of how this would impact either of these teams. Uh, with UTEP, I can probably get the closer idea. They might be able to go bowling if things break their way a few times, but this is a must win for them. I looked at New Mexico State schedule. They play a lot of Power 5 teams. They're not going bowling. They're using this to help build out their other programs and take these cash games. Totally respected to them. So I have no idea what this, what this game will happen to the trajectory if they do lose. And then moving forward, we have our final game of week zero. We have Southern Utah versus San Jose State. Southern Utah is a member of the FCS. San Jose State is your defending Mountain West champion, fin finishing the regular season undefeated before losing to Ball State in a blowout in their bowl game. So I'm handing it over to you. Dylan, what are your thoughts on this game? Thoughts on any sort of potential stars and, and thoughts in general? Well, the only thing I know about Southern Utah is that they're projected to be garbage in the FCS at the bottom of their division. And I think they're switching divisions. Um, comments can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure this is going to be their last year um, in the division that they're currently in or conference that they're in. Um, yeah, they were one of the worst years, one of the worst teams in the last three years in the FCS. Um, they haven't had a winning season since 2017 um, and they had nine wins that year and have had five cents. So um, the Thunderbirds are not thundering as much anymore, um, but San Jose state, you know, I don't really think they're going to be, um, you know, I, I feel, I'm not going to say last year was a fluke, but I don't think that they're going to be undefeated going into bowl season this year. Um, but again, I could see it because they return all defensive starters, all 11 defensive starters. Um, they basically return everybody, but their two leading receivers Nick Starkle's back, the running backs, Tyler Nevins and Kyrie Robinson are back. Um, Derek Deese Jr., their tight end, who was a semifinalist for the John Mackey Award, he's back. Um, Kate Hall is one of the best players in the conference, had 10 sacks. Um, he was one of only four players in the entire country who had 10 sacks or more. So um, I expect him to be a huge difference maker. Um, and their defense is just loaded. I, they held opponents to 24 points or fewer in each of their first seven games. And then, like you said, they got kind of got slapped by Ball State. Um, they probably should have won that game if everybody was healthy and the COVID thing didn't happen. Cause I, if I remember right, they didn't have either of their coordinators because of COVID and they had a bunch of starters missing. Um, so if everybody was healthy, they probably would have won that game probably would have been more entertaining at least. But, uh, yeah, I probably, I would say I could see San Jose state shutting this one out like 45, nothing to be honest with you. I don't know anything about Southern Utah except for the fact that their name is the Thunderbirds. And I think that's dope. Um, but other than that, I don't know much. I think San Jose State's going to kind of run away with this one pretty early. 
I do agree with pretty much everything you said. The Thunderbirds is indeed a great name for a football team. Uh, Andrew, handing it off to you. Thoughts on Southern Utah versus San Jose State? San Jose State's currently favored by twenty-four and a half points, and I think they're gonna and I think they're gonna cover it. Uh, Nick Starkley is probably going to be the best quarterback in the Mountain West this year. They're that done said they return 11 defensive starters. They return nine offensive starters. I know nothing about Southern Utah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. I think San Jose State wins this one. They'll win this easily. And uh, I'm not going to be watching it. Pretty succinct. Please, potential Southern Utah and San Jose State podcast listeners, please don't feel offended by what Andrew said. He will indeed be watching that game. We all will be watching that game. Um, in terms for me, uh, but San Jose, State, San Jose State should win this fairly easily. Like Dylan said, Southern Utah has not been good. They were one in five this year, this spring, actually, in the FCS. The team is not good. They do have an All-American on their team. Um, he led the team in tackles and sacks. Uh, his name is Alakea, and there's a hyphen and the last name Davis. I'm not going to try to pronounce the name because it's not going to be pretty. But he's a great talent, but at the same time, San Jose State returned all five of their offensive line starters. So I think they'll be able to neutralize them pretty easily. And then looking out for potential stars for – San Jose State, like Dale mentioned, Derek Deese Jr. and Isaiah Hamilton, they should be able to pick up the receiving slack for uh, the team as Trey Walker and Bailey gathered left for the NFL the previous year. So with them having an expanded role, I do think that San Jose State should have a better offense. Not a better offense, at least they need a better offense in the red zone because the red zone conversion rate was not good, but – they should still have that big playability and they should be able to score touchdowns. So that's it, everybody. We have covered week zero. And before we go, we did mention that we would be doing a Mount Rushmore for worst mascots. So I have Andrew here. Andrew, please explain how we're going to do this for you. So before we started recording, I had Dylan pick, arrange the numbers one to three. Each person was assigned to a number. And the order that he says it is the order of the snake draft. So within the order, we have Dylan. He's going to be taking the first overall pick. I'll be taking second. I'll be, Doug will be taking third. He'll be taking the fourth. Just your typical snake draft that you would think of in fantasy football. And we all have a we all have our little queue of terrible mascots. And I think I just think we're just going to have some fun with this. Uh, we're going to let Dylan get started. And essentially, all we're doing is we got a list of who we think are the worst mascots, and we're just going to go in order, and we're going to let you guys decide who has the worst or best, trying to figure out how we word that, but who's going to have the best Mount Rushmore of terrible college football mascots. And I think I pretty much made that all explanatory. Yeah, so uh, I have my short list. I knew immediately who I was going to take as soon as I found out that I had the first pick. Um, and I'm going to go with Oski the Bear as my first overall pick. I absolutely wow. hate this bear. 
so much. I've uh, I did a podcast about mascots in the Pac-12 um, for another publication, and I went on a pretty long tangent. I'm not going to repeat it all. Basically, I just said I wouldn't allow him around my kids. I think he's creepy. I think he's a cousin of the it clown, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I just I don't like his face. It's horrifying. He has like human white gloves. It's just creepy. The outfit's crazy. I just hate him. So he's my first pick. The only thing he'll ever be first in is that he's the worst. That is an upset. That is an upset. That's all I'm going to say. And just like that, this is going to be like Kevin Durant falling to second overall because I feel like this would be number one on most people's uh, draft board. I, of course, am going to go with the Stanford tree. Guys, think of your biggest fears. Spiders, tigers, lions, snakes. Who the fuck is scared? Oh, going to have to bleep that out. Who the hell is scared of a damn tree? I have never walked outside and said to myself, I am scared of that oak tree. I am scared of that pine palm trees. I've never even heard of being scared of a tree. And just to make it worse, you have to give it a face. You have to give it a creepy smile. No arms. It's a tree. Guys, we're talking about a tree. All right. Just why? Literally, just why? All right. Stanford, you need to have... Stanford is the only university, as far as I'm concerned, in the FBS where the student athletes have to pass a certain test, the same test that the, that the student entrants have to, have to make. And this is the best that smart people could do. I said enough. Andrew going with a conventional choice. I do not blame him. That tree is ugly. I do find it endearing, though. Wouldn't have been my choice. My choice right now is the tiger from Clemson. The tiger, if you've ever seen Requiem for a Dream, that tiger looks like it belongs. Those eyes looks like it went through some sort of participation in some sort of drugs. It is cracked out. It is one ugly, ugly mascot. All the all Clemson has to do was make its pupils bigger. All it had to do was make its pupils bigger and it would look normal. But nope, side may look like a junkie. So the tiger from Clemson's my pick. And since we're doing a snake draft, I'm coming back around and I'm picking the Nittany Lion from Penn State. It is the laziest attempt at a mascot for an animal. There is no creativity. There's no type of budget put into it. It's a mascot with a scarf or a mascot with, they'll put a jersey on it, but it still looks like a rug that you get from the dumpster. It is absolutely nasty looking. An unwashed rug that you get from a dumpster. Like it is, it's just so unkempt and lazy and 
I would say I'd expect something better from Penn State, but I don't because they love simplicity. They love being lazy in the terms of tradition, but the mascot stinks. I thought you were going to go in a whole different direction when you were saying I expected better from Penn State. I thought that was going to go a whole different route. Um, that well, was the what, Yeah, no, because people have talked about that route for pretty much at least a decade. Plus, we're trying to keep it lighthearted here. I'm not going to delve into that. The family-friendly show. <laughs> um, even, even though we said the F word multiple times already, yes, we're still a very family-friendly show. It's an 18 18- the the tiger looked like it was on crack. So, all right. So that comes back to me, right? It does. You know what? I'm sure I can make a better pick here, but I kind of really want this guy. You know, this guy is probably he's the type of pick that I would make that I could probably get in like the third or fourth round. But I just want him so bad. Okay, that just sounds absolutely terrible. But I just want this mascot on my list so bad that I'm just going to go ahead and take him right away. I'm going to go with Otto the Orange of Syracuse. I'm appalled. That is nasty, man. You you guys, (laughs) I want to give a special shout-out to to Five Points Fids because he did a video about two years ago, three years ago, on the worst mascots in college football. And he said something that just can never make me look at Out of the Orange the same way. He said that Out of the Orange looks like two testicles. He looks like a pair of testicles that had just grown legs and just started walking around the Syracuse campus. And ever since he said that, I am absolutely appalled whenever I look at it. I mean, he described it as Louis C.K.'s yambag. Alrighty. Um. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, look, guys, it's 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 almost it's eleven fifteen. All right, I know I've gone off the rails, but I'm also I'm not a fan of oranges, the fruit. I mean, look, I love orange juice and all that, but as far as orange, the fruit, I don't really care for it. And I'm sorry, guys, but like, are you guys scared of oranges? Like, like you got really. PTSD of oranges, man. Like, this is a deeper issue that we have to talk about on a different pod. No, okay. Like, it's a freaking orange, man. It's an orange with the worst smiley face I think I've ever seen. You know what it is? Remember the old Walmart where, where they had that little, you know, that yellow face smile and all that? They just put that with bigger eyes on an orange. That's what they did, okay? Syracuse is named after like a Roman god or something like that. You could have done something with that. No, you choose a freaking orange, okay? Because they had a Native American name and then they changed it to the orange. You could have done something better than orange. I'm gonna I'm gonna die in the pedestal that I love I love Otto. I I'm not gonna say I'm I'd like agree, Dylan. I, you know, you didn't have to talk about Louis C.K.'s uh, nether regions, honestly. Like, I feel like that was uncalled for. Um, I've heard somebody say he was basically the annoying orange with legs and arms. Um, and that I thought that was accurate. But I still think, you know, I'd rather I'd rather hug Otto the orange than most mascots, which leads me to my next one is uh, Purdue Pete. Um, I know Doug probably had him on his queue because uh, I know how much Doug absolutely loves Purdue. Oh, no, Purdue Pizza Institution. I'd never draft him in this draft. Yeah, I just, he kind of looks like 
Buzz Lightyear if he was on some sort of um, hallucinogen. <laughs> I just, I just think it's a horrible attempt at trying to make a like a human mascot. I think like if you're going to make a human mascot, I think Michigan State's kind of like the standard. Um, I just don't like the plastic face and the eyes and oh, all of it. it. It just looks like he watches people in their sleep. It's really creepy. So I'll go with Purdue Pete. And then, oh, Andrew, are you going to say something? Yeah, I was just to say about 10 years ago, they, they made like a fuzzy version of like Purdue Pete. Would you have chosen, I'm not saying like in the Mount Rushmore per se, but like if Purdue Pete was fuzzy, would he be a lot more likable than what he is now? Like, like, like a... Yeah. Like I'm talking like 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 a Sparty type of mascot. No, because Fuzzy Purdue Pete got so much negative feedback, they went back to the classic. Yeah, I it, it would I've seen it and it doesn't look. Um, I mean, it looks different. I'm not going to say the face looks any better. It was a missed opportunity because I think it should be fuzzy rather than the plastic action figure face. Um, but yeah, they still missed the mark, even though they had an opportunity to make it better. Um, and then my next one going a little bit different, this might be an upset. I know some people have an attachment to this mascot, but I'm going with Willie, the wildcat from Kansas state. Um, <laughs> Damn it. That was my pick. <laughs> I, I like the head. I think that head's okay. It's just, why is it? Why is it only the head? It looks like some drunk kid from the night before, um, you know, who had a party the night before is just running around with a mascot head on the field. I mean, it's just really pathetic. Like they couldn't even give him a fuzzy body um, or like even the Oski pedophile gloves. Um, it's just a horrible attempt. The head's cool. It's just the rest of it is just the laziest attempt at trying to make a mascot. So yeah, those are my two picks. Somebody let Lee Corso go insane. That's what happened. <laughs> Lee Cor- you know, that's what it is. I bet Lee Corso, he probably put on the, he probably put on the, he probably put on the mascot head, went out onto the field, and somebody was like, "You know what? He is onto something." Iconic. And that's what that, that, that's what they did. So, all right. So he's so he went with Willie Wildcat K State, which means it's time for me to make my third. And I feel like this is kind of like around the time where we kind of have to start being serious. Um, and I have not prepared myself this further, but uh. I'm going to go with Hey Reb from UNLV. You guys, who is that gunman from the Looney Tunes? The Yosemite and Sam. Uh, I'm sorry, can't speak. Yosemite Sam? Who, yeah, I mean, that's who he looks like. And not like, but like with this dude's mustache is like massive. It's like so inappropriately massive. And it's such a huge head for like such a small body for the mascot it's just terrible it's just ugly like no no mascot's head should be this big compared to his body and only that you make the mustache absolutely massive i don't get why i just don't it's just extremely creepy that's that's just it it's just more creepy than terrible don't blame you all righty and I will make my third and fourth picks here. So my pick for my third one is Captain Kane of Tulsa. So both of you guys, go on Google real quick and look at Captain Kane. 
let me know. Let me know how it looks. Because your reaction will let me know everything. Looks like a comic book character from like a first grade book I'd probably read. Exactly. Captain this, looks like, this looks like radioactive man from The Simpsons. It is bad. It is cheesy. It is generally awful. An actual hurricane, which is what they used to have, looked better than this person. Tulsa, disappointed, man. Should have went with the actual hurricane. And then finally, finally, I will go with Lightning from Middle Tennessee State. It is kind of hard to mess up a horse mascot, but they did. Actually, it's not supposed to be a horse. I think it's supposed to be a Pegasus, but either way, it's ugly. It's not kid-friendly enough. It's just... It's it's a weird Barney spinoff looking monstrosity. Uh, like you can tell it's been drawn by adults. Like there's no type of fun to it. It's just like you want a mascot? Here's a mascot. So yeah, those are my four. You got the Nittany Lion, the Clemson Tiger, Captain Kane, and Lightning. All right, my turn. Time to finish it off. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just be straight up honest with you. This next mascot I'm going to be is like completely biased. Um, I'm going to go with Goldie Gopher of Minnesota. You guys, I'm sorry. I have a lot of reasons to hate Minnesota, both the state and the actual school itself and the football team. But uh, this dude, Goldie Gopher, probably has the most punchable set of butt teeth I think I have ever seen in my life. If I ever see that dude face to face, he better have dental insurance because I will. I don't know what I'll do, but he won't have those butt teeth very long. Uh, he is, he also has the absolutely weirdest smile. There is absolutely, you know, it's the same thing with Oski. There should be no smile in the universe that should smile cheek to cheek the same way that Goldie Gopher does. Also, I remember one time a couple years ago, I think Minnes, I, I forgot what happened, but I was really pissed off at Minnesota and I was chatting shit at the, Oh, there you go. Another bleep that I got to put in. But I was talking smack to one of the uh, to one of the Minnesota journalists, newspapers or whatever. And their avatar is literally a cartoon version of Goldie. And every single comment that I put, they liked it. They liked it. And they liked it. Liked it so much to the point where whenever I pulled on my notifications, all I saw was Goldie Gopher pictures up my notifications up and down. I don't like this dude. OK, I wish I could put this dude through a table. All right. Let the hate come out of your heart, man. Goldie is goaded. Let the hate throw. Let the hate get out of your heart, man. Let the hate get out of your heart. I didn't realize Andrew and I had so many differences with mascots. If you if you have anything bad to say about the Oregon Duck, I will fight you. I'm just saying, like I know how you no. feel about as a football no. program. No, no, no. Everybody I, loves no. bottles, man. 
Yeah, but like uh, you had to say about Syracuse is like who's scared of an orange? Who's scared of a tree? Who's scared of a duck? Honestly, to be fair though, the duck is actually cute. Okay, I don't find an orange to be cute. That's a you nope. problem. Look, I look. I think I think the duck is iconic. I remember the national title game against Ohio State in 2014. When the I'm not trying to bring up the game. I'm just trying to bring up the intro. When when he ran out of the tunnel by himself. I thought that is one of the, that is like one of the perfect not no context moments of all time. It was just awesome, and look, I love the duck. I really do. All right, I think he's awesome. All right, and look, trust me. When it came to writing down this list, I only wrote down seventeen names. That means okay, that's probably a lot, but there's probably hundred thirteen names that I did not write. That means I at least have some form of respectability for them. I just don't understand the, the auto hate. I just, I don't know, man. I'm a big fan. What about the Citrus Bowl mascot? You you a fan of that orange? No. All right, I guess Andrew's just, if I ever meet He's him, a lost cause. He's a lost cause. <laughs> um, so for my last pick, I kind of had this scramble because um, I forgot. I was going to pick U-Dubs, Harry the Husky, the, the fuzzy one, um, but I forgot they changed it and it looks slightly better now, so... I'm not going with that one anymore, but I'm going to go with Herky, the Hawkeye from Iowa. I hate this mascot. I forgot that this one looked this bad. Um, first of all, it looks like Barry the Bee from the fucking Bee movie. Um, and the smile is just terrible. You I don't believe have to, Andrew. You don't have to believe it at this point. We have an E next to us. We're fine. Uh, the, the Herky in the name is horrible, too. I don't know. I had to look up what its name was because I had no idea. Uh, but the smile, the face, it's got like huge eyebrows it looks like anthony davis when he was at kentucky to be honest with you um i don't know this one's bad i think like there's with a hawkeye which whatever the hell that is some sort of hawk creature thing i feel like there's a pretty good opportunity to make one, this one look really unique and it just doesn't so i think this is definitely one of the i think it's underrated how bad Herky the hawkeye is i don't feel like people talk about him enough when you talk about the worst um, and my honorable mention is the demon deacon from Wake Forest. I think that guy's a creepy uh, mascot as well. He was kind of, he's probably my number five. Herbert, yeah, the, no. I'm sorry, Herbert, the pervert from family guy. That's what, that's what the demon deacon is. That's. Yeah. Demon deacon is kind of creepy, but it works for Wake Forest. So I'm not even bad at that. Guys. So, Doug, we... do you have, do you have your honorable mentions on you also? Uh, no, I mean, like, you guys took my good ones. Like, these four are my four, and I'm not even gonna honorable mention them because they separate themselves from being the absolute worst. So, I will give the rest of the names that I have on here. I said Willie the Wildcat for Northwestern because they also have a Willie the Wildcat. So, I don't know who came up with who's first, Northwestern or K State. Whoever came up with it first needs to sue the other party. That's for sure. Uh, I, I'm actually shocked. Doug, I know you're a fan of this mascot. Big Red of Western Kentucky. Big Red's an institution, bro. Come on. You're not going to do that to Big Red. Uh, I also wrote down Mr. Commodore from Vanderbilt. I had him until they redesigned him. Because before you look like Demon Deacon. Mm-hmm. But that redesign made him look younger and modern to where it's not creepy. 
uh, Pistol Pete of Oklahoma State, which he actually won a survey for like creepiest mascot in college football. I had him on mine too. I mean, it's kind of the same thing that I said with like the Hey Rev for UNLV, except his head is actually plastic. Like it's just creepy. I don't know how they make it work, but they kind of do, but he's still ugly. My thing is like you put blush on a mascot with a plastic head. Like that is weird. Uh, I also got I got both Lil Red and Herbie Husker for Nebraska. Lil Red, no, Andrew, come on, get out of here. You're not gonna do that, Lil Red. Man. Like your list is generally pissing me off right now. <laughs> oh, just wait, um, Dylan. I think you'll have an agreement with this one, Benny Beaver of Oregon State. Thank you. I mean, I look. I mean, I was just going through the Pac-12 mascots earlier today, and I just saw Benny Beaver, and I was like, "Those are some of the creepiest eyes I think I've ever seen in my life." He's even creepier in person. Trust me on that. Uh, I also wrote down. Choice. I also wrote down Super Frog of TCU. Not going to argue that one. Because I've never seen an actual horn frog before in my life, and apparently they're common here in Texas. I've lived here in Texas for over fifteen years, and I have yet to see one. Uh, and the last one that I have on my list, which I'm actually kind of disappointed I didn't pick them, Buster Bronco of Western Michigan. Some good, some bad. You're still dead to me, though, for Big Red and Little Red, man. I didn't even, I didn't even pick them, though. But to have them in your thought process for this. Everybody hates Big Red. No, they don't, man. Big Red is a Dylan, part of you, the fiber do, do, of college football. You hate Big Red? No, I don't at all. Not even a little bit. Did you know that like there was an Italian radio station that actually copied Big Red, and Western Kentucky actually sued them, and they won actually. Good for them. Exactly, man. You gotta protect I never, Big Red at all costs. I don't know why. Anybody, especially the Italians, would try and steal some hillbilly Hicks design because the Europeans laugh at us for no reason whatsoever. But they did. They got super and they lost. As far as I'm concerned, that's a victory for America. Okay, so I'll give them that. Uh, Little Red. I mean, at least pick the actual like not was it Herbie Husker? Yeah, at least pick Herbie Husker. But no, Little Red man. You can't be doing that, Andrew. Well, I will say this about Herbie Husker. He is the absolute most stereotypical of a corn husker that you could think of. And that and, and that in itself should is and that in itself is enough to land on any worst college football mascot list. My dad's from Nebraska. I can confirm that fact. That's fun for Herbie, but don't do little red like that ever again. All right, everybody. Uh, Andrew, Dylan, any last words before we sign off? Long live out of the orange. I still hate Goldie. And I would like to apologize for the following institutions that I have signed her today. The University of Connecticut, Penn State, UTEP, New Mexico State, 
that should about cover it. If I slander anybody else, I do apologize. Let me know in the comments. I will say this. Every university that I've slandered today, which I know is quite a lot of them, uh, go ahead and cancel me. Because I guess what? I will not apologize, and I stand by my comments. Oh, I stand by my comments, too. I just apologize because, like, you kind of actually went to, like, a five-minute diatribe, which shouldn't have happened. But um, in any event, thank you guys for listening. Tune in next time. We'll have a recap of week zero. And who knows? We might have another Mount Rushmore. So, good night. with another player interview the transfer portal cfb presented by no context cfb here with app state running back cameron peoples he's gonna have a huge season this year um i'm joined by lauren moore with the transfer portal cfb we're very excited to interview mr peoples and we'll get right into it um i just want to go straight into your, your recruiting process you were severely under recruited we know that was a huge mistake now. Um, what advice do you have to give to these uh, recruits right now and in the future, like how to deal with being so under-recruited and just how to, you know, become successful like you are? Um, I would just say uh, it just takes one opportunity. Um, um, don't worry about, you know, your dream school or anything like that. I feel like um, when it comes to the sport, uh, you kind of have to put all that to bed and, you know, uh, you know, just take it, take it on the chin. Like, you know, maybe your dream school won't want you, but, you know, somebody else does. Somebody else is going to value you as a player and the abilities that you have to bring to the table. So I just, um, I would just say, you know, all it takes is one and, okay. you know, once you get that chance, get your foot in the door, uh, put your head down, work hard, and, you know, the rest take care of itself. Who was your dream school growing up? Uh, my dream school was uh, Bama. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I grew up there, so, you know, my whole family, Bama fans, so I grew up a Bama fan. So, yeah, I was a huge Bama, Bama guy. All right. So through your career, you know, playing football, high school and, you know, through college now, you've had several coaches. Is there a coach in particular who's impacted you personally off the field as well as someone who off on the field has really changed your life and just improved your game through on the field and off? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I've had a lot of different coaches, you know, um, who I've taken bits and pieces from. Um, but I, I've always been like a big guy on like not forgetting where I came from. And so uh, a lot of the coaches who had a huge impact on me were actually like in Little League. Um, a guy by the name of Coach Troy, you know, who was my one of my very first coaches ever, you know. Um, uh, Coach Rusty back home in uh, Alabama. Um, uh, coach Stafford, you know, he played at Auburn High School. He he was uh, he wasn't really a coach, but his son played, and you know, he was just one of those coaches that was like always around us. You know, it's I, I mean, I can't really give too much credit to any specific coach just because you know 
I've taken so much from every coach I've ever had. And, you know, they all impacted me in, in such a different way. And, you know, I respected all of them on that same level. Um, and, you know, I, I really wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for the coaches, you know, from Little League to high school and, you know, here going through all those coaching changes um, with, you know, from Satterfield to Drinkwitz and his staff to the staff we have now. And, you know, uh, you know, I I try to look at it as, you know, everybody's not going to always be there, but, you know, while they are, you know, get as much as you can, you know, value them, um, take their advice because, you know, they've been places that I haven't been. And, you know, hopefully one day I can get to the level that uh, those guys had and, you know, pass the torch down to some other kid one day. So things like that about leading and everything, what is your biggest motivation headed into this season? Man, my biggest motivation is uh, honestly, it's just winning. Um, I'm a competitor. Um, My teammates are competitors. Um, I hate to lose. And, you know, last year, uh, you know, left a sour taste in my mouth just, you know, the way we went out. Um, granted, we did pretty good, but, you know, that's – we had a lot bigger expectations and we didn't meet up to them. So, this year, you know, I want I want all that revenge. I want every everything we lost. I want, want to win. As, um, that, also, my family. My family is always a huge motivation. My mom uh, – one of the reasons I play as hard as I play every single game, um, right on my wrist every game for my mama, FMM. So um, winning and family, it's all I can, only thing I can think about. Uh, you speak to how y'all closed the season, and you do say it was on a sour note, but I, you put up massive numbers in the inaugural Myrtle Beach Bowl. You rushed for 317 yards on 22 carries. You had five touchdowns. You you have the most rushing yards in a single bowl game in like like ever. That's that's gotta be amazing to to be able to say that. And your five touchdowns in that game tie like six people, including Barry Sanders, like. I know you say the team went out on a sour note, but you're in some elite company and, and you should feel really good about your performance and all that. And I was just wondering how, how you're going to use, use that to fuel yourself for, you know, the upcoming season build off of that. Uh, I feel like a lot of people saw, you know, what I can do and, you know, that just that display, um, Still, you know, it's just one of those moments in like a player's career that, you know, you're never going to live down. And I feel like that's going to be one where I can always look back and be like, yeah, um, this happened. But uh, honestly, I try not to let it, you know, get to me as much. Uh, I thought about it for maybe that night, next day. And then, you know, it was just, you know, back to business. I want to, I want to do better. I want to be better. And, um, I feel like this year going into it, um, I got a little bit more respect now. Still probably not as much as I feel I should have. So just uh, I feel like my momentum, I'm going to just take it and, you know, that that I did and just keep just keep adding to it is really just um, 
that's something I've been able to do since I was five, six years old, and I don't see that changing. So um, hopefully I can just uh, continue to play that well against ECU next week and the next week and the next week. I feel like it's going to be a target on my back, but I like the pressure. Um, yeah, you definitely need more recognition. <laughs> That's uh, You and I both know that uh, this year you'll see, we'll all see the People's Heisman hashtag will be trending plenty of weeks during the season. Um, as you continue to become more and more successful and you get to the NFL, um, I just want to know what ways you plan on giving back and giving back to the community and everything. Like, how do you plan to, to make an impact off the field? Um, so one thing I've always been big with is, you know, just motivating, like, younger kids under me. Um, as I was growing up, I would always – my little cousins, we would always play ball. I would teach them everything I would learn from the high school coaches. You know, I, uh, they just got on varsity. I text them last week giving them advice. And one thing that I've always wanted to do and I thought was just really cool is just, uh, you know um, – and a lot of people do it, but like those camps that they have for kids and all that kind of stuff, I want to be able to, you know, go back home and uh, use my connections that I got from college experience. And hopefully once I get to that level NFL experience, just to bring some guys in, and you know, give the kids back in my area a, a legit opportunity to go to go to school. Um, a lot of kids where I'm from don't end up uh, going to college and, you know, uh, a lot of them banking on sports. So I want to, you know, who's to rob a kid of their dreams? I want to keep them, you know, keep them motivated. And, you know, I can do it. So, I mean, y'all can do it. Y'all can do it too. I'm no different from from them. Uh, I want to I wanna help my community uh, back home in Bama, you know, give those kids an opportunity to go play ball, achieve uh, a degree. And um, hopefully that just – continues to motivate the people in my area and just letting them know that, you know, they don't have to always be down. They can, there's always a way out. So there's been big changes on campus recently. There's football changes. There's just life changes. Being back on a campus, having classes start that are in person, how's that been? And just readjusting to time before as an athlete and what y'all have been doing. Oof, honestly, it's uh, it's kind of weird because you know it's it's like the COVID and all that stuff. The Zoom meetings started to turn into like a little normal thing, and now you got to get back into what really was a normal life. So like, uh, it's uh, it's not it's it's actually I feel like it's good because I'm I'm very like I like to be around people, so uh, I think it's been good. Um. It's, it's kind of a little different now that we have to, you know, go to class and then, you know, adjust our schedules according to like practice meetings, breakfast, all this kind of stuff. But I think it's good for, you know, the freshmen or the sophomores now to, you know, actually have that college experience of, you know, what it was really like before, you know, everything went crazy and went online. But I think everybody's adjusting well and it's, it's been pretty good so far.
So we talk about those freshmen, new additions on the team, everyone. How do you kind of enforce that drive into them about wanting to make a bigger splash this season that's been done in past seasons and just keep some motivation going and some drive continuing? One thing about uh, App State is it's huge on culture. So I think it's um, – I think it's just something that's just put into us as we arrive here, as we start to practice and get around the team. It's just um, not, it's not like other places. You're not gonna, you're not gonna see guys wanting to come in every single day and just want to be around each other and be around football. It's, and it's so easy to be motivated because you got, you know, older guys like Corey Sutton and Thomas Hennigan and Caleb Sperlin who all just want to come in and work and, you know, be great. And it just, you see it. And like, I, ever since I've been here this past summer, I've, I've seen like a torch just lit under every single person on my team. Like the freshmen are coming in and putting in extra work. And it's not, you know, it's, it's sometimes, it's some places where, you know, you want to preach that to guys, you know, it's the work that you put in that people don't see, um, doing more than what's expected and that's one of our core values is doing more than it's, it's that's expected and coach Clark preaches on that and our guys our freshmen came in and you know um I feel like they adjusted quick it wasn't really much of a you know big difference gap in talent um those guys came in they want they wanted to work they've been working hard all camp and you know um I feel like they're gonna do great things when the uh, opportunity arises. So we've spoken a, a lot about the highs that you've experienced in your career. I do want to go back to one of your low points. Unfortunately, in 2019, you were poised for a big breakout season as a redshirt freshman. But after three carries that you excelled and you went down with the torn ACL, unfortunately, um, I just want to know, like, what was running through your head when that happened? Were there any, like, doubts you had? looking at the future, what was the recovery process like and how do you feel now? Uh, um, it was tough. You know, anybody who's ever had that injury, they know it's, it's a grind. It's, um, it's definitely, um, it's, it's, I mean, anybody who has to step away from the game who really loves it, it, it hurts. And, uh, uh, I remember just, you know, feeling that feeling in my leg it almost feels like, you know, my leg just had just got shot and I just kind of, you know, tried to walk, get up and walk it off. And, you know, when I realized I couldn't, I was like, oh, man, something, something not right. Went to the tent. You know, they he told me it might be my ACL. I mean, I busted the tears and when I recollected, the first thing I thought of was, you know, let me get some crutches. I'm going to go out on the sideline and let me cheer on my teammates. So, I mean, I decided right in that moment uh, that, you know, if I can't, you know, be on the field, I want to contribute in some type of way. So I was going to be the number one fan. I was going to be the, you know, the hype man. I was going to be more excited than the coaches, the players, the fans, every game day, no matter, you know, whether I was in the dorm or, you know, at the game. And I think my coaches did a fantastic job just like keeping me a part of the team always expected me to come to meetings because you know I told them I didn't want to be treated no differently I wanted to be there as much as possible I wanted to feel 
like I was still useful in some type of way. And, you know, I brought just a, a very fun characteristic to the team and, you know, um, keeping guys motivated the best I can and just still kind of learning, um, you know, other aspects of the game. And I took that time to really focus on my mental. It was hard, though, just um, to stay positive. Uh, I definitely got down on myself every now and then. But um, I never doubted my process as far as what I would be able to do when I came back. I I never let that even creep in my head because I trusted my trainers. Um, I trusted myself. You know, I, I prayed a lot. And, you know, I, I trusted God's plan and I knew he wouldn't fail me. So I just, um, I put the work in and uh, COVID happened and I ended up away from my trainers for two months. So I had to face that battle and, you know, focus up again and just put the work in on my own. So I went back home and I'm at, you know, I don't, I live in a small town, so I don't have much to work with. And I'm getting like workout plans for my trainers. They put me on this app and all this stuff, you know, just stuff that I can work with my leg and I'm using anything I could. I'm doing jumps on my porch and, you know, using the cracks in my sidewalk to do line hops with one leg, you know, setting up cones in the field beside so I can, you know, practice my strides and getting some strength back in my leg and all that. Came back early in the summer so I could meet my trainer by myself because um, I wanted to be ready. I buy the first game and I wanted to play. And um, by the time we got to play against Charlotte, um, it was a decision where usually people wear a brace or something after an injury like that. And, you know, I was like, nah, I, I trust, you know, all the work we put in, I trust it. So let's. We're going to go out there, no brace, no nothing. Let's just go play. It just, you know, once I got back out there, it just wasn't – it was just natural. Everything felt great. Um, so as the season went on, you know, sometimes it feel like fatigue or anything like that. But, honestly, it just got stronger and stronger. Now I feel – I mean, I feel like I could pretty much do anything that I was able to do back before the injury – maybe even better but you know uh, I put on some put on a lot more weight so feel like probably at the peak of my athletic ability at the moment you're definitely in store for a big 2021 season and you did speak on this a bit here going into my next question you spoke about just training for your strides I when I watch you play I know those long strides that you take I think they play a big pivotal role in your success as you break off long run after long run accumulate this absurd yards per carry I'm curious what you think your top skill is oh uh my top skill um I would say Probably either my ability to break tackles. Um, I like. I don't like to be tackled by one person. It's that's a failure on my part. I don't blame the O line or nothing. If somebody's in the backfield, it's just one person, and I see them before. Like I, I want to break that tackle. Um, I have a. I feel like I have a very good stiff arm. 
my teammates uh they they're kind of used to it by now they 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 know when it's coming that's my go-to move my stiff arm but um I feel like definitely eluding tackles and getting yards after contact and I'm sneaky fast people don't think I'm I don't know why but like I'm sneaky fast I was very fast before I tore my ACL I was uh I would have put myself in the top three fastest on the team honestly I was I was crazy fast and I had a long that long stride like I use it to to my ability if I get out in the open field I, I'm not I don't see myself getting caught it's over I'm, you're gone yeah, yeah, if, if I get in the open field, like, uh, you're not catching me. So talk about all that you're able to do on the field. This offseason, you've gotten quite the attention of some preseason accolades with the Maxwell Award and some other watch lists and all Sunbelt first team. What do those mean to you headed into the season? Nothing. <laughs> Honestly, it's uh... – I mean, it's great getting the rec recognition, but um, honestly, I, I still I still got to go play. Like, they're just, you know, I can or I, I may have this opportunity, but, you know, um, it's great for the recognition, but they don't mean anything if I don't go out there and perform in the way that everyone thinks I'm capable of. Um, and, you know, I try not to show it too much attention. I honestly forgot about the Maxwell one. You're not going to lie. So hearing that again was kind of crazy. But <laughs> um, I try not to show it too much attention just because there's still work to do. And, you know, um, if you if you focus too much on, on the future, you know, you'll miss what's right in front of you. So I try to stay in the moment and, you know, keep working. I'm just excited to play. So, you know, whatever happens after – and whatever I can get, you know, that's that's fantastic. I'll celebrate it when the time comes. But right now I'm just ready to play. Yep. So is there a game that you're looking forward to the most? Someone you're looking to see again this season? Uh, at the moment, I'm just ready for ECU. I'm <laughs> but uh, uh, if I had to look ahead, I am – Miami is going to be exciting just because, you know, Hard Rock Stadium, Miami playing the U, biggest game, like biggest opponent as far as exposure wise. Uh, oh, sorry. Um, Coastal Carolina. Um, Louisiana and Marshall. All three losses, I want them back. <laughs> yes, great take. I mean, I think y'all are going to go out there and beat Miami. You could ignore that banner right there. I, I, got, <laughs> I got App State winning. Um, super excited for that one, you know. Uh, also super excited to watch y'all revenge against Coastal, turning into a nice little rivalry there and ULL, as you mentioned. Sunbelt is sick, man. So many good teams. People got to start putting respect uh, um, on this great conference. Yeah, for sure. The next question I wanted to ask was, I want you to sell yourself to, like, an NFL team if they are watching this, or an evaluator. Sell yourself on why you're the perfect guy for, for this NFL team. 
Uh, well, one thing they're gonna get out of me is um super hard worker, um, an ultimate competitor. You know, if there's anything that I can do to make the, the team better, that's the guy I'm gonna be. That's whether that's you know catching routes or blocking. You know, my running gonna take care of itself. But anybody who who's looking to have me on their team is we're gonna win. Um, I'm not gonna let the man across from me beat me, beside me beat me. And at the same time, you know, my teammates and all that, especially like in the running back room, it's gonna be a competition. But you know, I'm also gonna be that guy, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be uh the type of person that'll be like, oh well, you know, I should have won the job, I should have won the job. It's gonna work, you know, if I get beat out. So be it, I'm still going to put the work in. I'm going to be there to cheer my teammates on. Um, but they definitely getting a winner. I think this interview has really shown, like, any anybody that you are the perfect, like, player to want on the team. You've been so – you put the team first in everything. Don't want to talk about any of your, your in-game accomplishments. That's really, really dope to see. Um I do want to speak again to to your skill set. One thing I want to see is more work in the receiving game. Is that something that we could see this season? Is that something you've been working on? Uh, it's definitely something that you will see this season. Um, last season, you know, just we're such a run heavy team. Mm-hmm. Um, is is harder for the the backs to get some love in the passing game. But this year, uh, this summer, I, I worked so hard on just routes and getting out on checks and everything like that and, you know, getting a new offensive coordinator. And I talked with him and I was like, man, you know, running great. I need to, you know, I want to catch the ball. So um, we definitely – I'll definitely get the ball out in some routes this year. Um, and I, honestly, I can't wait. haven't – haven't dropped the ball in, I think, four weeks. Went through the whole count, every target I caught, you know. So, you know, I'm feeling pretty good about it. I, the, work, the work shows, you know, I I was with all the receivers running their routes. I won't run them in the game, but, you know, we got our own routes. We're going to run, but I'm running their routes on every, every play, every concept that we have just so I can, you know, work on that part of my game too. So, um I think that's something that I've improved so much and, you know, I'm, I'm excited to, you know, actually get the opportunity to add more, some passing, passing yards to my, to my resume. All right. So we've talked a lot about this season, you know, what you can do and everything in September 2nd, you and the rest of your team will start the season in Bank of America stadium. What's it like playing in NFL stadiums and knowing that, you know, that attention's on you big time. Honestly, it's going to be crazy. This is going to be my my first time playing in an NFL stadium. (laughs) So um, it's going to be fun. Um, Everybody's looking forward to this. Um, you know, we got a lot of guys on the team from Charlotte. I'm pretty sure ECU does too. Um, so um, every game, you know, we're looking to win and just having that opportunity to be on a big stage and playing under the lights of an NFL stadium, you know, it's just going to be like a dream come true almost. It's, 
you know, still in college, but, you know, you know, maybe one day it'll be, you know, I'll be actually playing there for like a, a conference game, a home game, or you never know. So uh, looking forward to it. Um, can't wait to play. And, you know, it's going to be even better. I actually have an old high school teammate who plays for ECU. So he's he's projected to start, you know, so it's going to be fun playing in the NFL stadium against one of your your homeboys you grew up with. <laughs> Super exciting. So in your opinion, what is the best part about playing college football? I got to give it to the fans. I got to. It's, it's, it's just uh, fans is so it's, – it's a very underrated part. I, I feel like it's a very underrated part. Um, and last year showed that the fans were definitely missed. You, It's that energy. Um I mean, you see how crazy college football is all over TV. It's it's huge, and uh, you know that the fan can the fans can electrify the whole sideline. It's just you know that's it's just so crazy having all those people yelling and cheering you on and cheering on your team. You know, you, it's just you walk around town and everybody you know are yeah, but definitely the fans. Also, not also. Um, this is from a player standpoint. The brotherhood that you get with your uh, teammates, um, unmatched. You're building relationships, friendships that are gonna last a lifetime, and um, it's uh, it's, it's almost like a family. Um, I'm pretty sure any any college football player would would tell you that this is um some of the, these are some of my best friends, brothers that I've you know ever had and. Uh, you know, a life after football. I mean, these are probably the be the guys you know that I asked to be in my wedding, or you know, the guys you know I'm taking trips with. So, if I could say anything about college football, um, fans and you know the brotherhood that I've got for my teammates would probably absolute best thing about being a college football player. Um, when you were growing up, who? What was, was there a running back that you admired a lot and and you know try to emulate your game after as a kid? Um, yeah. Uh, so I used to watch. Um, I like the older guys. Um, so I I watched a lot of Walter Payton highlights. Um, and I was also a huge Bama guy, so you know they will always have a good running back. So Mark Ingram. Um, then, you know, uh, Derrick Henry ended up coming along and he's about my size, maybe mm -hmm. a lot bigger, he's a lot bigger. <laughs> <laughs> bigger, but just that, that size guy, that big size guy. Um, uh, but yeah, um, Barry Sanders was, you know, his, his ability to break tackles and, you know, beat people with speed after, you know, the, after contact was just crazy. But, um, but Walter Payton was, he was my favorite, um, watching his story and, you know, how, and just seeing how, you know, he's, he was a bigger guy too, but, you know, the way he could move and, you know, the way he would just fly all, all over the field, it was just, you know, crazy to watch. And, um, very inspiring. The Bears, like as a kid, I used to change my NFL favorite team for like every two, three years. But the Bears were my favorite for a while just because, you know, 
how great he was. You definitely have a unique skill set. Um, the NFL definitely doesn't have a lot of players like Cam Peoples coming into the league that should appeal to them in a few years when you enter, you know, whether it be this upcoming draft or the one after that, you'll, you'll get drafted. We know that. Um, when you were growing up, what other sports did you play? And could you have gone and played the college at a college level in those sports? Uh, well, I played baseball, played any other sport, and I played basketball. Um, I didn't play like organizational basketball to like sixth grade, but I used to play like with my friends, um, like in just that street in the street or something like that. But I played baseball all the way up to my freshman year of high school, um, just because uh, at that time I was just like I need to pick two and give my body uh, a break so um it came down to football and basketball uh love basketball was really good at basketball um football love football really good at football um I feel like if I I mean I was good at baseball I was I was pretty good you know like I said I'm a competitor you can put me in any sport and you know I do I do okay but I feel like I, if I really would have focused any on any specific other one, I probably you know probably could have went to the next level and played. Um, I'm a little shorter for like NBA or anything like that, so I'd be more of a guard type. Which is, I didn't play guard. I played more of a forward position just because of my physicality. I wouldn't like I didn't foul. I ain't foul a lot. Never got foul trouble like that. But I was just you know bigger, stronger guy could jump really high so um I played the four um baseball though I was insanely good I loved baseball so much I I hated I hated that I had to give it up but you know it was it was honestly uh I couldn't I couldn't go without playing basketball because that atmosphere back home was you know it's it was crazy and baseball didn't get as much love but you know football football was a given um and I feel like God just – that's just the way he directed me. And, you know, I wouldn't give up football for anything in the world. I am curious what position you played in baseball. You name it. I played anything but catcher. That's the only, only position I did not play. But I was my, – my, uh, I, I, I was mostly center field and shortstop. But uh, I, I played – at every spot throughout my entire like career playing baseball. I hate it. I would not, I wouldn't play catcher though. I couldn't do that too much pressure. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't want to get hit in the face, miss, miss the ball. <laughs> I was like, nah, <laughs> you can miss me with that one. All right. This is my favorite question to ask people. What is your favorite sports movie? Mm, remember the Titans. Love that movie. Best movie. I feel like that's, I mean, a lot of people got their own opinion, but I feel like that's the absolute best sports movie ever created, ever. Correct answer. Yes, great job. <laughs> also, just what's a place that you want to travel the most? Mm. Oh, man. I, I, you, I, would, um, I would say Dubai, just because I've seen so many, like, things about Dubai but honestly the world's 
the world's huge and like I keep seeing new stuff pop up. So I'm like, golly, I just wanna, you know, I've never been outside of the country. Like I've never been to Bahamas, nothing like that, you know. So um, but if I had to choose anywhere, I'd go to Dubai and then see what that's talking about and then go to maybe Australia. Awesome. Yes. Great places. <laughs> All what right. would you <laughs> um I think I'd go to the Netherlands. There's pretty tulip fields, lots of flowers. Is that cold? Is the Netherlands cold? I feel like that's cold. Yes, he uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> cold. Uh, I have no clue. For me, I do want to go somewhere where it's cold, though. Somewhere in Canada would be dope. <laughs> uh, and then we'll go into the pick six here. Rapid fire. What's your favorite food and your least favorite food? Favorite food, anything to do with hibachi or Japanese. Least favorite food? I don't know. All right, all right. Well, who's the funniest player in the locker room? Is it you? Is it someone else? Is it a coach? Man, that team's so funny. Uh, I would say either Zerion Hayes or uh, – um, Nah, it's definitely Zerion. Definitely Zerion Hayes. <laughs> All right. What's your favorite meme? My favorite meme? <laughs> oh, man. Dang, that's a lot of pressure. I don't even know. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh... Dang, that's a lot of pressure. I don't even know. I would, I would probably have to say, um, dang. I used to say this all the time. It's so I forgot. I can't even remember. <laughs> all right, you're good. You're good. Uh, what about do you do you have a pregame tradition? Maybe a song you listen to before each game. Mm, I will listen to "Put On" by Young Jeezy five times at least. It's the first song I listen to when I put my headphones on. And the last song I listen to before I take the field. What's one thing people don't know about you? Maybe a hidden talent or skill? I can play the trumpet. <laughs> really? That was so unexpected. I don't know why. Oh, that's cool. Uh, <laughs> when you get your first NFL paycheck, what's the first thing you're buying? Uh, um, I want to do something for Mama. I don't know what I want to do. Uh. I am. I like to. I like to be smart with my money, but you know when it's time, I I want to do something for my moms. Great answer. Uh, we really enjoyed having you interview with us, Lauren, and I really appreciate your time. Um, yeah, thank you. If you have anything to say, Lauren. No, thank you. Good luck this season. You are hilarious. We'll watch <laughs> all the time. <laughs> <laughs> thank you all so much for having me. Definitely got fans for life here. Hope everybody watching enjoys this. Thank you so much, Cam. Best of luck this season. Thank you.